And hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> What's up, DNVR Golf fam? Welcome in to this episode of Big Drive Energy, the first episode of 2021. Thank God we can put the year 2020 behind us. What a crazy, weird year it was for everybody. I know for us, especially in the golf world, uh, it was one of the busiest years of all time. Having the Masters in November really threw everybody off and threw me off, even though I, I did have the COVID at that time, so I got to sit at home and watch it. It's just a weird experience for everybody. So we're moving on to bigger and better things here in 2021. I am, of course, your co-host, Spencer Smith, a.k.a. at Big Drive Spence, here with my brother, my co-host, and uh, the better golfer. I'll, I'll just start off 2021 saying that so I don't have to say it the rest of the year. Uh, Mitchell Smith, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing really well, you know. Uh, not a whole lot of golf being played in Colorado right now, but we got the PGA Tour starting up again this week um kind of a wraparound type season so it's technically not the first tournament of the year they're already stacking up fedex cut points for different guys and everything but uh first tournament of the calendar year and the tournament of champions is always a special one over in hawaii you know all the uh the hula girl vibes the the, the music it just it it's so fun to be sitting in the snow listening to that and watching that so i'm super excited about that oh yeah i remember when we were in like high school this was always such a fun tournament to watch because it's like middle of the winter you can't golf we had like our putting green our little makeshift putting green set up down in our basement um and would watch in hawaii and at kapalua which is a great golf course and just be able to feel like you're playing golf and feel like you're in part of the action or at least getting to see part of the action because not a lot of live sports were on um, at that point in the winter, you know, it's it's daytime. You can watch something during the day that's still live, and that's what's great about golf. Um, but before we get into actually talking about playing golf, and t our main main uh, subject for the podcast today is going to be talking about some rules. Uh, we're going to have some funny rules, some crazy rules. We're going to talk about rules we hate, uh, rules that changed in the last two years, give you guys a whole lowdown on some of the rules. So when you go into 2021, uh, maybe you just started golfing last year and you want to learn some of the rules or know some of the craziest rules so you can have a uh, win some sort of a trivia game. We're going to have that all for you coming up. But first, I want to tell you about WGT Golf. It's the most popular golf game in the world and the official gaming partner of us at DNVR. 
We've already opened a fourth country club. So we had three full country clubs, 250 people apiece. So if you don't want to feel left out anymore of, of WGT, head on over to dnvrgolf.com and join that fourth country club. It's a blast. I play every weekend on my phone, especially now when we can't play real golf. I get the next best thing and can play any of the at the amazing courses. And I know we've played a few of the courses that are on the WGT website, and they're extremely realistic. So always fun to play. There's over 20 million players in the world, and you can play from anywhere. So you can play close to the hole, which is quick. We usually have our tournaments close to the hole. Um, you can compete head-to-head -head with your, your country club, whichever one you're in, DNVR 1, 2, 3, or 4. And you can compete with other country clubs as well in clashes. So it's a lot of fun. Head over to, head over to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT today. All right, rules, rules, rules. Getting into some of the rules. Uh, we're also going to give you guys our picks for this week and talk about Kapalua, of course, and the PGA Tour being back. So um, let's start out with with uh, some of the rules. So I got a few things here and a few crazy rules that um, I've either came across in the rules book when I read it for PGA school or just rules that I've come across, we've come across as being professionals in the golf course, uh, at the golf course. So... Um, but first, I want to start out with something uh, that's kind of funny and also just 100% truth at this point is other than guys like Bryson DeChambeau, and you can speak to this too because you're in the same boat as me, a lot of pros and a lot of players like don't really know the rules that well. Oh, 100%. I definitely don't know that. I know all the basic like hazard rules, um, things like that, but... <clears throat> Really, my go-to is, especially in a tournament, um, I'm calling a rules official over 100% of the time. And even if you feel like you know the rule concretely, you want to make sure you execute it properly. And it's almost just a, a witness thing. Like I played in many qualifiers and things like that. And the only downside is you're holding up the group behind you, but you'd rather play it correctly and get the exact ruling from the rules official and then if he's wrong, it's not on you. You know, you can definitely just toss the blame to him. Um, but I, I 100% of the time call a rules official and just to confirm. And I know, I would say I know the general idea of most rules, but there's so many specifics that it just goes over my head. There's way too many things to memorize. And you can always kind of pick out that nerd in your group when they can tell you every rule exactly and they're like oh that's this that's this it's like holy shit i maybe you should work more on your golf swing than worrying about the rules um but yeah i i don't know that many rules i know some that have personally happened to me unintentionally obviously um not trying to cheat or anything but shit just happens and it all happens so quickly and you're like did that shit just really happen or um for example i've actually never done this but hitting yourself with the ball in the bunker. That used to be a penalty. That it, I, is it not anymore, Spencer? I don't think it is. It is not anymore. No, that was actually one of the things that I was going to talk about when we get to, because there was a giant amount of rule changes going into 2019 that we've had for two years now. Kind of trying to speed up play, I think, was the goal of the USGA, which is the United States Golf Association, of course, that govern the ruling body of all the PGA Tour, all the events sanctioned that you play in, I play in, etc. Um, but now... Oh, another uh, thing we can get into also real quick is uh, 
not right now, but a little later is what we prefer um, to have the fl- how we want the flag. Oh yeah, because that, I think uh, that's definitely I a change think of the rules. That's a, that's a hot topic of conversation. There's a lot of analytics and shit that that come into it. Um, so that you can kind of get our opinion on that also. That's always fun. Yeah, but hitting yourself or your equipment is no longer a penalty in general at all, um, provided it's not on purpose. Now, that's a whole another can of worms that you can open constantly in the rule book because I think there's probably... So just so you guys know, there's if you ever looked at a rules of golf and decisions, like the rules is a smallish book, but the rules and decisions of golf is actually like a 600-page book. And like we talked about earlier, we don't know it that well. I've literally taken tests on it and just kind of studied to the test and hoped that I could answer the exact questions they wanted me to answer, and I don't know the rules as well as I should. Um, but the people that know the rules the best are those 70-year-old retired men's league, uh, men's league presidents that do nothing but literally sit at home all day and watch golf on TV, read golf magazines, and read the read the rules book. And that shit does happen. Like, there's these guys out there, and it's... Sometimes they can be helpful, but most of the time they're just fucking annoying. Just there's no other way around how annoying dudes like this are. Well, those are the guys that always end up volunteering for PGA Tour events because they think they know everything and, you know, they just, they're those guys who think they belong out there. And, you know, and anybody can know the rules. Anyone can memorize the rules. If you still suck at golf, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. And and like the rules of golf are so just random. Some of them are so random and some of them just make not a lot of sense. And and then some of them, it's like you feel like you know, like you said earlier, you know what the rule is, but you never want to be wrong, especially in our position as golf professionals. Like we give somebody a wrong ruling, it could end up costing them a golf tournament, you know, and these fucking, these dudes, man, they take their fra- their Saturday fucking morning tournaments pretty serious. So you got to make sure you're on the on the right page there. And I always just check to the rule book before I answer anything unless I'm like 110% sure. Even if I'm 99% sure, I still check that rules book because there's so many little weird things that can happen. And it seems like there's always like a variation of what they're telling us. Like we know the general rule well. And an interpretation too, which is bullshit. Exactly. Like, like two the, players in a group can interpretate, interpretate, interpretate. I don't even know the actually the correct term for in, that. Interpret. interpret. Ah, okay. There we go. Two two players in the group can interpret something happening a certain way, and then the other two and the other cart come in, and they're like, "No, this is what happens." So they're like, "Well, what the fuck actually happened?" So that's another thing. What getting into the rules is like some of the rules, like we talked about, are into the interpretation of did you do it on purpose or not, and that changes the you know that changes the, the way it's ruled half the time. Yeah, and another thing that bugged the shit out of me was especially with high school golf, kids would, there was just certain kids you knew that were all stuck up that think they know everything and they're just a stickler on the rules. Um, you're like, bro, I, I think I got this. And at the end of the day, it's the integrity of the game, but at the same time, you guys are like, no, it entered right here versus entered the hazard versus five yards back or whatever. It is, it's just not even worth the headache with some guys. They literally will argue till they're blue in the face because it really does come down to some interpretations. It's not, it's not black and white, which is also bullshit. 
And that's another uh, good rule. I'm glad they, they changed is the ball oscillating on the green um, when you're addressing it. And there's interpretation to that too, but they, they did change that. And I'm sure Spencer wanted to get into that too. But basically the rule was if you're addressing the ball, so if your putter is set behind the ball, like you're, you're ready to putt, if you're addressing it and the ball moves, even if you don't touch it, it used to be a penalty on you, which is absolute bullshit. That's a, that's a horrible rule. And they used to call in PGA Tour events. So, you know, you get a windy day and the ball's oscillating and it's a, it's a fucking shit show out there. There's dudes everywhere. Like, I think my ball just moved. And then they got to call a rules official over. And then you're standing there for 15 minutes. It's like, dude, if you didn't touch it and it moved, it's not your fault. And so that's that's just a rule that I'm, I'm very glad got changed to now being a non-penalty and all you have to do is replace your ball. Yeah, and while we're on that topic, I don't want to forget to talk about this because this has changed, I think, recently. It's not like a rule, but it's like a process, if you will. And you can speak more onto it too because I think you told me about it originally or we talked about it just a couple of years ago. But you used to be able to call in to the, a hotline or some sort of PGA Tour hotline and, and call a ruling on a player that you saw on TV from your couch make a mistake and I think was it Lexi Thompson to um, get into that or whoever no, somebody lost a major la- well the last oh yeah I think Lexi Thompson I don't recall that one as well because I didn't watch it live but the last one I recall watching live was actually at the tournament of champions probably six seven eight years ago um Camilo Vajegas was playing and yeah that that definitely has to be a while back if Camilo won. <laughs> he doesn't want in a minute. Actually, I think he won fairly recently. Anywho, Camilo Vajegas was pitching up the hill. What? Go ahead, Spencer. Oh, no, you're go. Go. You're good. Okay. Um, Camilo Vajegas is hitting a pitch up a hill because uh, every – well, if you've never seen the Tournament of Champions, uh, the, the slopes out there, it's very, very hilly. Um, the elevation change is nuts. The, I feel so bad for the caddies. I would legit die if I had the caddy out there. Like they should give the caddies golf carts because it's it is that in, insane how much elevation change and everything there is. Um, but anyways, he's tripping or pitching straight up this hill. Basically, it's like a probably got a twenty yard pitch and it's about ten yards uphill, like straight up the hill. And so he he chips it or pitches it. God bless America. I'm sorry. It's a pitch. Um, he pitches it into the back of the hill, and he's trying to scoot it up there. And it it hits the, the slope and doesn't get up there, and the roll starts rolling back down towards him. So what he did was he, he had taken a divot when he hit the shot, and the dirt flew into his line, or straight in front of him, basically. Um, and... The, the kind of the grass over there, it's kind of like clotted grass. So it kind of just came out like clumps of dirt. And so when the ball's still rolling back towards him, he walks up and flips the grass out of the way. The, his divot that he had just taken that was in front of his ball or Ven ball. And lo and behold, that's technically a penalty. And he got called on it. And then the whole thing remains as what's even more bullshit is signing the wrong scorecard because he obviously didn't know that was a penalty. So he took a certain score on that hole 
and it wasn't called in till later. So he he finished his round, signed a scorecard with that score on the scorecard, and then somebody called in, told the PGA Tour uh, rules officials, and uh, he ended up getting DQ'd because he signed the wrong scorecard because he did not technically make that. Say he made a five, he didn't make five. He made six or seven because it was a penalty. And real quick, can you imagine if the NFL, the NBA, anyone else had like a rules official, like if you could call in, I would be calling every week saying that was holding against fucking Von Miller every week. Oh yeah. That is, there's 10 plays. You know what I mean? So it's just bullshit that the, at any point, I mean, thank God that's over, but that the viewer can call in and tell uh, a penalty or tell the PGA tour that somebody committed a penalty. You know, if, if they didn't catch it, then it didn't happen. And I'm not saying I'm not encouraging cheating, but there's certain rules. Like we were just saying, nobody knows. We don't know that. And some fucking try hard on his couch, probably 12 beers deep calls the PGA tour after Camilo Villegas gets done with that and goes, Oh no, 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 blah, blah, blah. And that's just, I think that's, bullshit long yeah. story short so well and the one i was talking about it was lexi thompson um it was in a major and this is in 2017 but she marked her ball on the left she marked her ball on the right side of the ball with her marker and then when she put her ball back down she put her ball mark on the left side of the ball marker instead of back to the right side and somebody called that in and she literally lost an lpga major because somebody called that ruling in on her Okay, I do remember that. And, and it's not like a straight-up cheating. Like, if you're straight-up cheating, like Patrick reading it, I get it. You know, like, <laughs> if you're straight-up cheating, this somebody should be able to call you out or you shouldn't win on that. But if you're losing a tournament because of a little mistake like that that had literally no effect on what actually happened, yes, it was a breach of the rules, but it was so small that no one there in the actual moment called you on it, then there shouldn't be able to be some, like you said, try hard on his couch with the rules book, jerking off to it, um, calling in and, and ruining, basically changing your life essentially for some of these players. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a, that's a big hefty payday that's involved there with Lexi Thompson. And there is certain players you'll see your buddies have done it a million times. They mark their ball. And then they put the ball back down like two or three inches in front of their mark. And then they, I mean, we've all been there, you know, you fucking skirt the rules a little bit, especially when you're younger. Cause you, I mean, kids have integrity, but kids will, you're, when you're a child, you just want to win. You'll do whatever it takes to win. You don't care. You're like, all, I, I, I gotta admit, I, you, I think we've all cheated <laughs> at some point, not necessarily like blatantly cheated, but we've, all try to give ourselves a little bit of an advantage, especially me when I was younger. I don't fuck around with that anymore, but all of our buddies, you know, when you're going out for a casual round with your friends, everybody's doing what they can to get that extra little leg up. That's, there's no doubt. Oh, always. Exactly. And, um, so some other little funny rules that I was, when I was kind of doing some research and looking into some things and some decisions that have happened, um, there, rule twelve two in the rule book. So if you guys want to get really get really into this, start checking the rule book. Um, this is one reason to always mark your ball. Um, we're going to talk about this in a. We actually have a golf term Tuesday about this. Just a few other little things, but always mark your ball with something because 
if you and your buddy are both playing and you both hit a title, and, and this is, of course, in a tournament, if you're just dicking around having a good time, which most of you should be, all these rules, we're telling you them to kind of try to be funny. You don't have to follow all them. Please don't feel like that because that takes people away from golf, and that's why people think golf is such a stuffy-ass sport, which we're trying to get away from. So when we say this, take this with a grain of salt. But basically, if you're in a tournament and you're both playing a red Titleist Pro V1X1 and you hit it into the bunker and you can't identify which one is which and you're both in the bunker, you have to go back and re-hit from the spot you just did because you can't identify which one, which ball is yours. So that's a reason to always mark your ball, put something on it. I always put, like, you suck on it after I make a few bogeys. I start with a smiley face and that slowly goes down and gets worse and worse and worse. Um, but make sure you, make sure you mark your ball always. Um, another funny decision. Oh, wait, can I piggyback it on yours real quick? Yeah. Um, I think one of my least favorite rules, and it just doesn't make any sense is it's called the one ball rule. And some people may have never heard of it because it's, it, it's actually still a thing, but it is the stupidest fucking rule I have ever dealt with in my life. So for those of you who don't know, basically it means if you start – and this is like AJGA tournaments, real stuffy-ass shit. Um, certain qualifiers I played in, it's it, it. I can't even put it into words how stupid it is. You have to play the exact same ball all the way through your round. So if you start with a Titleist Pro V1 – if you lose a dozen balls, you better have a dozen Pro V1s in that bag because you cannot switch balls. And I, I remember vividly, like it was yesterday, my first varsity tournament ever. We played at Highland Hills up in Westminster. I was a, I was a freshman, and I wasn't very good at golf at the time. Like I, I was frankly dog shit. I, I shot a 113 that day, and I took a 17 on i think the 16th 15th or 16th hole i i think i cried afterwards but that's neither here nor there um but i lost so many balls i think i lost close to a dozen balls that day there's a bunch of fescue a bunch of water i was so unprepared Uh, my golf swing was just trap it was a fucking travesty and i uh i remember by like the sixth hole i had these ram balls in my bag they were, I swear to God, they probably weren't even circular. They were like fucking oblong. The, the markings on it were horrible, but that was all I had. Like, I literally lost so many balls, that was all I had left. <laughs> and if, I, if that would have been a, a, a one ball, if, I, if they would have had the one ball rule in effect, I would have been done on like the third hole. I think I probably started with a Callaway or something, and I literally lost every good ball I had in my bag within four or five holds. So that I think is one of the shittiest rules in golf bar none. Doesn't make any sense. Like, fuck man. Do you think we're all richy rich over here? Like, yeah, I got a sleeve of pro V ones, but on a rough day, I'm switching to the fucking, I'm switching to the Slozengers. I'm switching to the, you know, the Volvic colored balls, you know, you never know. Whatever I got in my bag is what I'm switching to. So that, that is one of my, my, least favorite rules that I absolutely despise. Oh, and to follow that up, kind of the same concept, but if you're playing tournament golf, you can't, like, the one ball rule, it's kind of the same deal. You can't just take a ball from one of your, like, if you're out of balls, you're fucked. You're done. Sorry. (laughs) And I remember in college, I was playing in a tournament with fucking Mike Gardner, 
And he ran. He was playing like shit, but he ran out of balls in like the sixth hole, and he just fucking walked in the into the clubhouse, dude. He is. He was like so happy. He's like, and and we were like, didn't care, you know. We're like, dude, you're playing like shit. You just want you know enjoy the day, be out here with us, finish the tournament. He's like, fuck that, dude. He's like, nope, can't take any more balls. Can't take any of your balls. That's against the rules. I gotta go in. And so he just left, and it's like well, an hour. John Daly would. Yeah, John Daly legitimately did that in a tournament. He was so pissed off, he hit like 16 straight balls in the water and walked off. Because, I mean, in those tour bags, they, the players don't give a shit how many balls a caddy has to carry. You know, you, you could throw fucking two dozen in there. Well, Daly had, I think, 16. And he literally it. just a, aimed right in the middle of the pond with an iron and just drop, hit the ball in the water, drop, hit the ball in the water. And then he just walked off. You know, and, and there's some chicken waste, chicken shit ways to get out of uh, tournaments too. Um, real, another real quick story from high school golf. I uh, my senior year, I was top five in the state. I was a really good player, um, but I couldn't cope with not playing well. Like if I started the round off poorly, um, not trying to toot my own horn here, what it's not that impressive, but my scoring average was less than a stroke over par. So I was like 72.6 or 8, whatever. Whoa, dude, put and your so dick I was, away. Huh? I said, whoa, dude, put your dick away. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to flex on anyone, but a little massive, flex, you know. Massive hog um, hanging out. But I just could not handle playing like shit. Like, I, I wasn't old enough. I wasn't mature enough to handle playing poorly. So I... Uh, we were playing out in bumfuck Egypt, like out on the eastern plains of Colorado, and I, I was like on the fourth. I think we were in like, we I I got moved to a really weird division in my last year of high school. So we played all these eastern slope teams. I was out near Fort Morgan or Brush or fuck knows where. I don't know. I fell asleep and woke up, and we were out in the middle of Kansas. Um, but so we get out there, and I'm. I think I'm like two or three over through like four holes and I'm full panic mode. Like I'm shitting myself and I hit a drive left and I'm not shitting you. This is the kind of course it was. There was gopher hole. There was, there was fucking varmints on the golf course. There was gopher holes. There was like plague ridden fucking, what are those things called? Uh, I'm prairie drawing dogs. a blank here. Prairie dogs. Prairie dogs. Yeah. The, the course was infested with prairie dogs. Like you leave the fairway and it's just prairie dog holes. So I'm walking over into the prairie dog area, just pissed at myself, like super angry. And I just step in one and I like tweak my ankle. It wasn't a bad tweak, but I just tweaked my ankle. And it I'm was out. like the, the judge, the, the, oh, it's broken. Like <laughs> I literally like hit the deck fucking in the dirt on the ground. I was like, I'm not, I'm out. <laughs> like I, I just fucking withdrew Coach. from the tournament. I was like, Coach, bring the cart. <laughs> I I had to fucking get out of there, dude. It was rough. So yeah, I and then I literally spent the rest of the the tournament with everyone else out there on the putting green, just practicing my putting. Like I I was fine. I just couldn't be out there anymore. So I definitely bitched out on that one. Sorry to uh, digress a little bit, but that story was too good to to not tell because I. It was 100% like I could have kept playing and I just didn't want to. Oh, yeah. That's the Tiger Woods, dude. Anytime he starts getting like – like this year in the Masters was a very – like he's been the greatest golfer for the last 20 years in the world. But when he gets starts playing like shit, it's immediately like, oh, he starts grabbing his back and shit no matter how healthy he's feeling. And then this year 
he made that like 12 on 12 or 10 on 12 and then he went and made six straight birdies to finish the tournament so I was proud of that little growth uh growth by Tiger Woods yeah I mean literally with golf you're never too old to to grow and to like learn something new or or find something within yourself because even now I mean we've got a bunch of buddies who I've gotten to the point where I really don't care how well I play because I'm not playing unless I'm playing for serious money or whatever. But we have friends who even at, at our age will legitimately just quit around if they're not playing well. And it's like, especially if I paid for that fucking round, I am playing every single hole. I am hitting every single shot. I am, you know, there's, there's no stopping me. So you definitely, it, it comes with a little bit of maturity and a little bit of age, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things when I was in high school, I did not have either of those things. And I, I would just go full panic mode right off the top and, and start trying to figure out ways I could DQ myself. <laughs> oh, here's one other funny story. I was playing behind Wyndham Clark's group in a uh, U.S. Open qualifier. And that was back when they wouldn't allow cell phones. They're like, no cell phones. You know, you get DQ'd if you're on your cell phone. And this is when Wyndham was a, a top 50 amateur in the world, um, or probably more than that. He was at Oklahoma State, higher than that. But he was playing like shit, and it was super windy. This is up at what is now, uh, what is the preserve, the preserve at? Walnut Creek. Uh, Walnut Creek, thank you. It used to be called Heritage of Westmore. Now it's preserved at Walnut Creek. But we we got to 17, and we were all stacked up, so our groups were on the tee box together. And he's just laying on the ground with his phone above, like, his face. You know, like, how you lay in bed with your phone? Yeah. Like, staring at your phone above your face? He's just blatantly, like, trying to get DQ'd. He's like, can somebody please see me so I can get fucking kicked out of this tournament because I'm not qualifying anyway, and I'd rather not have to post the score. So he, and he ended up finishing the the tournament, but I just thought it was hilarious because everyone, you know, like pull their their cell phone out and kind of look at it a little low key. He was just fucking laying there, like laying on the tee box with the cell phone above his face. I was dying. That's outstanding. Um, a couple little more quirky rules I get to hear and get your thoughts on these. So this is a USA decision fourteen three slash twelve point five. You're not allowed to place a water bottle on the green because it's determined to be a level for the slope of the green. I actually just found out about that like a few months ago, and that is fucking nuts. Like, if you're smart enough to do that, then more power to you because I never thought of that in my years of playing golf. I never, never even crossed my mind. Yeah, like, and it's now I want to just do it in a fuck around round, like bring up bring a blender bottle out there and just kind of like set it down next to the hole and see what happens and like, or like, you know, and then set it down like on my line and see like if you can get a reading from that. But that's wild. If somebody actually tried to do that, like that would just be one of those rules where nobody wouldn't really intentionally try to do that, but somebody would call them for like, Oh, they're, it's a hot day. They're thirsty. They're bringing their water bottle on the green and then they set it down to putt and somebody's like, nah, nah, penalty. You're fucked. Yeah. That, that's a little ridiculous. I would never, I would never call someone on that unless I knew they were intentionally, you know, there's some people that you're like, I know they're trying to pull something over on me, but the people who have no clue, I, I couldn't care less. Like, I mean, if you're on the putting, if you're up on the green for more than five minutes, I'm definitely bringing my cocktail with me. You know, you're not going to leave it in the cart and let it get hot. So you bring it with you. 
I'm going to set it down on the green. I don't even think I'm not, not like, oh, what degree is the water laying in my, or not water, more like vodka, but what degree is the vodka tilting in my cup, you know, trying to give me a read? Like, come on, that's weak shit. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, so another quirky rule, uh, decision 14 slash 2 3. If your club head falls off in your backswing and you whiff the ball, there's no penalty. But if your club head falls off in the downswing, it counts as a stroke. So, fucking figure that one and out. That, once again, yeah, how do you determine that? Like, somebody in your group's like, oh, 100%, yeah, that happened in your downswing. Like, oh, you were, that, oh, that was in transition. So what is, like, when, yeah, that's bullshit. That, I've never seen that. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of a reach there. I mean, I guess they got to have rules for everything, but who thinks of that shit? Well, that's the thing is, like, how do you think of these things? So here's another one for you. Uh, the cl- it's called the clubhouse rule. If you're if you hit a shot that ends up in the clubhouse, and the clubhouse is in play, you're allowed to open a door or a window to play your next shot. <laughs> wow, I did not know that either. What is that's the, uh, What kind of fucked up rule? Like, who thinks of this? Yeah, that whoever is getting paid to do this shit, the USG has got too much money. That's qualifiers cost $250 for a reason because they're fucking paying everyone and their mom to come up with these crazy ass rules about everything. Well, and one thing I think is nuts is the, and it's not necessarily a rule or a non-rule, but all the drops that you can get from um, hospitality tents, like literally the PGA tour is easier for that reason. And I don't get me wrong. Like, God forbid, I'm not saying the PG Tour is easy. Like, don't crucify me. But these guys, there was a there's a hole for perfect example. Um, there's a hole down at TPC Austin, I want to say, where they play the the Dell Match Play, and it's a like a half moon style hole that wraps around water. Where and Tiger hold out there a couple years ago. Remember that he uh, hold a wedge out, spun it back, and oh yeah, everyone went went crazy. Yeah, it's that hole, and, and usually if it's – so if it's downwind, because there's a hospitality tent right behind the green, um, obviously not over by the water, but right behind the green. And so these guys, literally no one sits in that hospitality tent because these guys blow driver in fucking – it's like it's like a hailstorm. They just – everyone's hitting driver into the tent because they get a drop, and the way that the tent's set up, there's really no way to, to take it no closer to the hole. So they have a drop zone that's like right behind the green and it's basically handing them a birdie. Like anybody, because they're chipping back into the wind, it's an easy chip. It's just asinine. Like they can blow it straight into the tent and it's a free drop. And then you've seen other instances where there's a guy on the European tour a few years back that uh, he was hitting his approach shot on 18 as a part five. I think this is over in like Italy or Switzerland. One of the, one of the two, um, but he hit his three wood and it hit the top, the roof of a hospitality tent. It was like 40 yards left of the green. You know, anybody, any of us, whatever you hit that ball, it's basically out of bounds. Or if not, you've got a real tough shot. He banks it off the top of the, the tent. And it ends up bouncing over onto the green to like 10 feet, and he makes eagle. 
or I'm sorry, it went to like two feet. It was even closer than that. And he ends up winning the golf tournament because of that. Like, and I know everyone gets lucky bounces, but hospitality tents are, are fucking questionable to me at best. Like, you should not get an easy... Same with Torrey Pines. I mean, behind the 18th green, guys blow it behind that green. Right over it, you know, it's par five. They just hit it over the green. And if that pin's in the front, I mean, front left, you know, the Sunday pin's not great. But any other pin, you've got a, a free drop and a great look. Like, that's bullshit to me. I hate that. Yeah, there is there is some comfortability in knowing that if you blow one way right, it's either going to bounce off the tent and be fine, or it's going to bounce uh, be screw, so screwed by the tent or the the grandstands that you're going to be able to get a, a solid drop out of it. So versus exactly being in the parking lot or some shit. Another interesting exactly. another interesting rule here. So loose impediments, you know, rocks, shit, other things like that. They've actually said this in the rule book. A half-eaten apple is is considered a loose impediment, but if if your ball is somehow lodged in a piece of fruit, you must play it as it lies or take it unplayable. So, what? basically, it's saying like if an orange or an apple falls from a tree, and your ball's next to it, it's a loose impediment. But if your ball somehow lodges in it, I I would love to see if this has actually ever happened. Um, but basically, that ball is considered you have to play it as it lies. So you may be ha- taking an apple shot. Somewhat like the pumpkin shots we took, um, bl- blasting yeah. through an apple and then hitting your ball. Um, another one, you can so if you hit a ball into a cactus, this is something for Arizona. I'll be heading down there at the end of the month. I'm sure you're going to make your way down at some point this winter before the we get busy again. But you can technically you can cover yourself with your towel, like if you have shorts on and you're hitting it from a cactus, but you can't cover the cactus with a towel. So if you, like, you have to cover yourself as your leg, like, with a cactus, with a, with a towel, versus covering the cactus with a towel and then standing on the cactus. I guess that does make sense, because you can put clothes on or whatever throughout the round, but you can't, you can't change an outside agency. Um, here's, a, here's another good story. So uh, Uncle Tim, Tim Rusk, who we had on a few months back on the pod, uh, on one of his Joey golf trips... They were down in Cabo, and he was just sweating his ass off. Like, it was super hot. He was running through the gold bond like it was fucking water. He, he was, like, chafing everywhere. <laughs> I mean, a little too much info, but he literally could not hold on to the golf club. He threw one of his clubs into a canyon unintentionally. It was on his follow-through, and it was so slick that he just let go and threw it into the fucking, like... He had to pay some caddy a bunch of money to run down and grab his eight iron or whatever because it just flew straight out of his hand because his hands were so slick. So then he started gripping the club with the towel. Like he was literally hitting shots between with the, he would put the towel around the grip and then grip it because he could not hold on to the club. And that I think that's another rule that's not legal either. You can't do that, especially in like rain and shit like that. But I just thought that was hilarious. Like. I can only imagine the, the scene that took place with him letting go of the club and then them, and then him gripping the, the club with the towel. Just an all-around shit show, really. All right, before we move on and talk about the uh, Century Tournament of Champions this weekend and give you guys our DraftKings picks 
for the tournament and get, make you guys some money like we've done um, in the past couple years or the past couple golf tournaments years that we've only been doing this couple months so well, it was last year uh, last year I did hit a winner and we did hit our boy Cam Smith with the uh, master's pick but we'll go over just a, qu a few quick changes to the rules that happened recently mostly for pace of play issues but um, a couple things and I'll just run through them real quick and you can you can you know talk as we go but dropping has changed from the shoulder to the knee uh, that's a lot better in my opinion just makes it a lot easier sometimes you have to drop three and four times because of dropping from your shoulder creates momentum down on the ball um, so it just makes it easier to drop from your knee uh, hitting yourself like we talked about earlier is no longer a penalty or your equipment as long as it's not deemed to be on purpose uh, you can remove loose impediments in a hazard I wonder what are your thoughts on that I I think it's a lot easier, and I, I like the idea of it. But at the same time, I don't know how I feel about when you hit a ball into a hazard. Now called a penalty area, not a hazard anymore. That was stated in the rules last year. But I think it is kind of crazy, like when I go into a, a red hazard now, which I find myself in quite often, but I can move like a tree or move like a branch. You used to be not even able to, like, touch. Like, a, like you couldn't even touch your club down to the ground and figure out like, what was going on. You had to just make a swing at the ball. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's pretty weird. And I think it was more just because we grew up with, like, a hazard's a hazard. You can't touch shit in that hazard. You know what I mean? It's, that's just not something you can do. But actually, when I uh, another quick story. When I was coaching our high school golf team, we had a tournament out of Spring Valley. And if you've played the Valley of Fun, um, hole number 12, there's a hazard all up the left. It's just fescue. Um, native area it's not like water or anything but Caden just pull hooked one shout out our boy Caden uh just pull hooked one right into the tree it ended up in the hazard like we could hardly find it and it ended up like between three old dead trees and they were like dusty and covered in bugs and shit and I was like oh god I don't get paid enough for this but I literally moved I was moving full on tree like uh the trunks of trees that were dead they were probably like 10 feet long and he ended up i think his mom still has the, the picture because they were following us he was like straddling a tree branch and i basically clubbed him perfectly and he got it out of there and had a great look at the green i was like i should be caddying on the pga tour but yeah that's i you can basically move and the, one of the more famous ones is when tiger it wasn't a hazard but when Tiger moved or had those guys down at the the, um, the waste management Phoenix Open, had to move that huge boulder. Do you remember that? Like, mm -hmm. That's he got like, like one of the spectators. Famous. Yeah, yeah, he, he got like all these spectators to move that rock for him. So that is a thing. Uh, moving that loose impediment, no matter how big the rock is. If you play at Fossil Trace, there's some rocks that you cannot move. They're just fucking in the ground for millions of years. But, uh, yeah, that that is a thing. I, I don't necessarily know how I feel about moving loose impediments and hazards. I just feel like a hazard should be a hazard. But, you know. That's... It's called a penalty area, mind you. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, see, I'm not really up with the times here. Yeah, um, one of the things that I think is actually the best rule change in my mind, because this is just a ridiculous interpretation based on your group, but now you can move a ball, I mean, you can fix anything on a green, like, damage-wise. 
that was the craziest shit to me in the world where it's like, oh, this is a spike mark, you can't fix it. But it's a divot or a ball mark, you can fix it. Like, fuck that. That was the worst rule. And finally, the rules changed for the better. So now if you're on the green, you can fix anything that's in your line without, you know, basically testing the surface. So. Yeah, I don't mind that one. Um, I don't know if I love it, but it kind of is what it is. Because talk about slow pace of play. you got these dudes tapping down everything in their line, basically fucking excavating themselves a line um, to the hole on the green. So I don't, if it's within reason, you know, and that's the tough thing. Like we've said a million times, it all kind of comes up to, or comes back to interpretation. You know, it's what is excessive, what's not excessive, that kind of thing. Yeah. The the interpretations of the rules are another whole issue. And then, uh, a fun fun kind of rule that we've seen a lot with uh, one of our buddies from the golf course, Sean Fisher. Uh, there's no longer a penalty if you double hit a ball. Um, oh, and so, the old double hitter. Yeah, and, and it's kind of funny because once that rule came out, there was like these people doing videos of like when you're behind a tree, you could like pop a ball up and then swing around the tree and hit it again and hit it forward. And it would just count as two strokes instead of two strokes and a penalty. Uh, but you can't do that because if it's intentional or it feels intentional, which that clearly is, uh, it's it's a penalty at that point. But if you double hit a ball, and if you haven't double hit a ball, I'm sorry for you because it's hilarious. Or if you're somebody in your group, ha- you've never seen it, but you're chipping out a thick rough and you desell that club in, that's a fat double hit coming. And it's no longer a penalty at least, but you just got to play that ball where it lies off that second hit. So It's also hilarious what direction the ball goes in afterwards because it usually ends up going way left of you because your club face is pointed left at that point. But yeah, Sean Fisher, our, our pal out at Spring Valley, the Valley of Fun, he was um, in the second-to-last group at the the Rocky Mountain Open out in Grand Junction a few years back, playing really good golf. I think he was like 10 or 12 under after two days going into the, the last day. And on the very first hole, he hits it in the middle of the green. The greens are real firm, so it he was already pissed off about that it bounces over to the back and he proceeds to double hit it and make like seven or eight on the first hole and there is nothing more defeating than making that big number and putting yourself out of it before you know you even had a chance so yeah we there's not a day that goes by i don't give him shit about that double hit oh yeah fucking but that is a good change to the rules I, sure. I agree. You shouldn't get penalized any further. Then you're already going to penalize yourself. It's never intentional. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. You're already embarrassed, and you've, you're taking two strokes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Before we get into talking about the Tournament of Champions, I want to tell you guys about DraftKings. So DraftKings is the official partner of DNVR. We have the NFL playoffs starting this weekend, and there's literally no better place to get in on the action than DraftKings Sportsbook. It's America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't ch- checked out the app yet, now is the best time to sign up to start cashing in because they're giving you a chance this weekend to double your money if one touchdown, just one touchdown, is scored at all this weekend. And this isn't the only time DraftKings does this. I've been playing on DraftKings for a while now that it's legal in Colorado. And they give you chances all the time on, no they call them no-brainer bets. You can make money off of basically what you know is going to happen a team plus 75 points etc etc so all you have to do is opt into this no-brainer bet and place it and then the first the first touchdown is going to be scored in the first game in the first half and you double your money up to 25 dollars so and the best part about DraftKings is 
it's not just football. If you're not into football, great. If you're if you aren't, I don't know what you're doing with your life and listening to this podcast. But hey, maybe you don't like football. Maybe you're just a golf fan. You can bet on golf, and we're going to talk about who to bet on in on the DraftKings Sportsbook this weekend in the golf tournament. Make yourself some money. But you get daily odds boosts. You get all this kind of stuff that they basically give you free money, and you can constantly build up your account. We also have foot. Um, Hockey starting a week from tomorrow. The Avalanche are back on the ice. The Nuggets are in full swing. Um, Nikola Jokic triple-double, which I've hit like three or four games that he's done it, uh, is now down to like plus 130. That's how low the odds are on it. You started out like plus 400. Um, but you can download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up and double your money if a touchdown is scored this weekend. There will be one. There will be multiple that's code DNVR for new players. Get a shot. Double your money for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. You got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Let's get into our DraftKings pick of the weeks. We uh, finished last year on a pretty good note. Um, Mitchell, why don't you tell people a little bit about Kapalua and what kind of because every golf course is different, we know this. You, if you play golf, you know that very well. Uh, what what do you think succeeds at Kapalua? What are the guys we should be looking for? If you, if you don't take our bets, no offense to us, you know we're we're taking them. We're either winning or losing with you or without you. But um, what are some things that we should look for when betting on golfers this week at Kapalua? Um, so generally speaking, so a little background on Kapalua. It plays close to seventy four hundred yards. And it is the only par 73 on tour that they play all year. So they, it is a par 73. There's, I want to say, what is there, seven fives and, and six, six fours and five threes. Um, I want to say that's correct. But there is a lot of um, kind of different winners that come out of this. Honestly, there's not really a trend to follow because – a lot of it has to do with the wind. It always is windy over in Hawaii. We know that firsthand. We both play golf in Hawaii. No big deal. Um, but we both play golf over there, and we know that if it's even when it's not windy, it's pretty windy. That is one of the small downfalls to Hawaii. I mean, if if you could really nitpick it, it's it blows all the time, wind wise. <laughs> not um, literally, just metaphorically. Not literally, well, literally blows. Well, literally doesn't it metaphorically blows. Blows. Yeah, literally, <laughs> it literally blows. Uh, but the wind going and coming in certain directions uh, on that golf course can really make it easier. <laughs> Sorry, there's a little hand gesture we made there on the, the, the video call. Um, but it can make the golf course a lot easier and really bring the short hitters into play, or it can take the short hitters completely out of the play depending on wind and also how firm the course is. And that's a huge thing, too, that um, in years past has, has really varied because in winter, whatever, I don't even know what season it is in Hawaii. It's like another planet. Um, but they get a lot of rain over there. So some years it's a little more firm, and some years it's bone dry. And that's when guys like uh, Zach Johnson won there, I want to say four years ago, five years ago. Um, there has been some shorter hitters that have won over there. And then there's certain years where the the short hitter just doesn't have a, a, a chance in hell at, at winning that tournament because it's so soft and it plays too long. Um, 
and there's certain holes, like I said, there's a lot of downhill holes, but you have to like number one, for instance, there's some guys that leave it at the top of the hill and you've got one eighty, one ninety it at that point from the top of the hill. But if you can get it over that slope, you can get all the way down to the bottom and you've got one forty, one thirty five in. And that is a huge difference. That's that's making probably a, a bogey to making par birdie. So, you know, it's uh, definitely a different kind of course, not something like they play any other time of year. Like, if they play out there, they should be able to play in Colorado because the elevation changes is really nuts. And the other thing is the greens are very challenging. It, they're huge. They're undulating. They're fast. Um, and you can really use it to your advantage in certain ways. Everyone remembers that driver off the deck on 18 that Bubba Watson hit. Uh, just a massive-ass slice that ended up 8, 10 feet from the hole because it, it was just how he drew it up right around, wrapping around that, that dog leg left. So if you can shape the ball, um, and I just can't really – I honestly don't know if it's soft or not, but it really, for betting purposes, it depends on if it's playing soft or, or firm because uh, that really takes some guys in or out of contention. Yeah, this is one of those tournaments that it, you're going to see, if you watch it, we're going to see so much roll. If you hit the right spot, it's like a speed slot, and it just will roll down the hill in the middle of the fairway. Um, 100%. So for my draft, my DraftKings picks of the week, I'm going to give you guys two of them. Uh, one is just, it's kind of like early in the season in the NFL. You just take the better team. You take the better players. Now, this is a small field like we talked about. Um, it's all champions so it's a good field that's what's fun these tournaments are fun it's like a bmw or like a one of those um like the wgc match like it's a lot of good players it's not like you're not going to have the shit bottom pile of the tour which would still beat me by 30 strokes any day of the week um but uh i'm going to take justin thomas to top five that's plus 140 so you're risking a dollar to win a dollar 40 or collect 240 total on DraftKings. And uh, this one's just not one that I'm going to overthink here. Justin Thomas has won this event twice, I believe. Uh, it's just his kind of course. He's comfortable. I saw a picture of him eating, eating lunch today with Bryson. Uh, I think Justin Thomas is going to be really comfortable here, and he all he has to do is get top five out of 40-plus players, So, and that's still plus odds. So I'm going to take that one, uh, Justin Thomas, plus 140 in the top five. And I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a long shot bet uh, he's got a good chance to win this. He's actually won this two years ago, and he's also a uh, runner-up last year. But it's X-Man, my guy, I always go back to him, Xander Schauffele. He's plus 1,000, so risk a dollar to win 10. Risk 10 to win 100, so that's what I did. I risked 10 bucks. I went 100 um, net, and I gained 110 total, or 100 net and 110 total gross. If, if X-Man Xander Schauffele wins, and he always shows up big in big tournaments. Uh, I've said that before, but this is another one of those with a lot of champions, and I feel like X-Man's going to win this week. Those are a couple of solid picks. I like both of those. Um, so my my kind of not obvious pick, but a little bit easier pick is going to be Tony Finau. Uh, the dude bombs it. We all know that. He hits it a fucking country mile. He's plus 2,200 on drafting sportsbook. So pretty darn good odds still. I mean, he wasn't in super great form towards the end of last year. 
but you never really know. Like Spencer said, it's a fresh season. They've had a few weeks off. Some guys kind of reset, and you never know when somebody's going to to start their run at a, a career season. So I think Tony Finau's got a real good potential to do that. I also did pick him in the Masters, and that didn't bode well for me. So um, I'm going to keep riding him. He's going to win. He's too good to not win. As long as he gets that flat, flat stick going, he always drives it really well. So I, I got Tony Finau at plus 2,200. And then I got a real flyer here. Um, I got Brendan and Todd at plus 10,000. And the value, I mean, those odds are just through the fucking roof. How can you turn that down? Um, you bet 100, you win 10,000. You bet a dollar, you win 1,000. You know, around that math doesn't add up. Uh-huh, no. but you, you bet 10, you win 1,000. So on and so forth. Um, but he's got a great short game. He's uh, really solid around the greens with the irons. He just doesn't hit the ball very far. Um, so that's kind of his downfall. But if it's firm, like I've said, guys like Brian Gay, uh, guys like Brendan Todd could sneak up there and surprise some people. So it's going to be interesting to see how the course plays because the course really does dictate who is in contention and who is not. Um, so I... I got to take the value, Brendan Todd plus 10000 I love it. So lock those picks in. Take Brendan Todd for a couple bucks. Take X-Man for a couple bucks. Take Tony Finau for a couple bucks. And then go a little bigger, maybe a couple units on Justin Thomas since it's not plus as crazy odds. But um, get your guys some money. And we'll talk to you guys next week when our pockets are way thicker. So uh, I want to thank you guys all for listening. Uh, if you haven't... Um, Join our society on PGA Tour 2K21. We haven't been as active on that, but I'm going to start playing a little more as we go. Uh, Big Drive Energy is the society. Uh, Like and subscribe um, on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to these podcasts at Big Drive Energy. Give us a rating. Give us a follow on Twitter at Big Drive Spence at Big Drive Mitch. Uh, We appreciate you guys listening for the first episode of 2021. We expect this to be a great year. We are out of here. We'll talk to you next time.